number four. I thought this would just be a one-time deal, but it turned into a series. Eight things to remember during, during tough times. And uh, how many know your character is formed in the hard places in life? Now, that, that's something we need to think about a lot. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be willing to go through a tough place. So, so um, to, the, to the degree and depth that God uses you, to that degree, you'll be tested. You just got to know it. And, you know, I've lived long enough now. This is my 47th year in Jesus. I knew nothing about this when I started, but I can tell you through the years of time, every time God's taken me into a hard place, it was because ahead of me there was something else he was preparing me to do. How many hear what I'm saying? So, 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 so hardship is not just about, you know, grunting through, making it through. Hardship is about honestly God allowing you to be in a place where you're trained and where your character develops. Isn't that great? And how many think we could use some character development in 2023? So 1 Peter 5.10 says this, but after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Isn't that good? This verse, um, I got familiar with this verse when I was young to get my mind out of the gutter it had been in my teenage years. I memorized scripture and I take one scripture a day. And, uh, and this was one of them one day, or a bunch of days actually, and I would, would meditate, believing it all in the scripture. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus will restore, support, strengthen, and establish. How many think it's cool to be restored, supported, and strengthened? So when you, when you find yourself in a hard place, that hard place could consist of numbers of things. That hard place could be a relational issue. It could be something on your job. It could be something in the family unit. What it will not be, and I'll cover it in just a second, what that will not be a sickness that God never tests you with sickness and disease. How many hear me? That's of the devil. It's of the enemy. It comes from living in a fallen world, and Jesus has made a way for us to be free from sickness. Yes or no? God doesn't test us with calamities and accidents that maim us and harm us. That's from the adversary, and he has promised us that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, right? But what he hasn't promised us is that life would be a bed of roses. And they, you, you just lay back on a hammock and drink sweet tea every day and just, you know, sing Kesara He has not promised that. What he has promised is we'll develop and grow, and he wants us to. Tough times are training times. I'm just doing a little bit of review before I get to what I'm going to talk about tonight. June 14th, I talked about that. And, um, and I went through this thing, and it's really amazing to me that it took 25 years for Abraham to receive the promise of God that he and Sarah, his aged wife, would have a child. 
that, that, they, that for 25 years they couldn't see. Joseph spent 13 years from the time he was 17 until the time he was 30 uh, before uh, he was, became prime minister of Egypt and his dreams were fulfilled. During that time, he was, uh, he was, he was put in prison uh, through no fault of his own. Uh, it was the enemy trying to hinder his life, but what, what the enemy didn't realize that developed Joseph and what was inside of him. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a desert tending his father-in-law's sheep after he killed a man at age 40 and age 80, God called him. So regardless of how old you are or how long the expanse of time is that you've been in what you consider to be a trap of circumstance, so many times God is preparing you for the next thing. How many hear me? David dodged Saul's sword. Uh, for um, a, a good while, years, before he became king of Israel, even after being anointed by Samuel. Paul spent between 14 and 17 years from the time Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road, and he actually entered into the ministry that God had for him. There were years of preparation, and those years of preparation you know, were necessary to be able to follow through with what God had. I mean, I'm not in any league with any of these people, but it, it took 18 years from the time I knew God called me to pastor. It took 18 years from that day until I came here. 18 years. So you see preparation time. How many know preparation time is not lost time? So what I'm trying to get across is tough times or preparation times for what God has for your future. So the first point here, we're not immune from hardship. I've mentioned the fact there are two, and that's what I just said. There are two different kinds of sufferings that Jesus endured. And you know, we need to realize that there is, there is substitutionary suffering. Everybody say substitutional. Jesus' substitutional suffering is when he became our sin so that we could be free from sin. Jesus' substitutional suffering is when he, was, he became our sickness so that we could be healed. And we don't need to bear in our person what Jesus substitutionally endured for us. There's no reason for you to live in sin. You can live above it. How many hear me? And you can walk in grace and mercy and the forgiveness of God and the forgetting of your past. Isn't that good news? We can also, when the enemy attacks our bodies, with sickness and illness, we can resist it because Jesus substitutionarily bore our illnesses for us. And again, uh, my podcasts are about healing for weeks now. I've been in that. I've got weeks more to go, and uh, there's probably 50-something lessons there. So go back and listen to the podcast. Tuesday's got one coming up, a new one tomorrow. And I had fun doing that one, so go listen to that. But I'm talking about healing. Anyway, understand the difference between substitutionary sufferings of Christ and then the circumstantial sufferings. We are immunized from Jesus' substitutionary sufferings, but we are not, nowhere in the Bible says we're immunized from having hardship and difficulties in the circumstances we face. You understand the difference, right? So uh, number two, second point, our journey through life is often filled with hard places that just goes with living on what I'll call terra firma, planet earth. God's never life, uh, um, promised life would be uh, easy. Back in the early 70s when I was a kid, y'all remember this song if you're older, I never promised you a rose garden. It's going to be a, going to be a little rain sometimes. Well, you know, that's the, way, that's the way life is, right? Jesus said it this way, John 16, 33, I've told you all of this so that you will have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. And this is just before Jesus went to the cross. 
Uh, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What, what was he saying in that? He was saying, when you're going through a hard place, look to me. I'll show you the way of escape. I'll show you how to endure it. I'll show you how to get to the other side of it, right? Because he gave us an example that we should follow in his, in his steps. So, uh, you know, one thing I noted when I came to Jesus, September of 1976, I was uh, 17 years of age, turned 18 in October, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand, I, I, even though I'd been in church all my life, I didn't understand the spiritual walk with God. And so when I really gave my life to Jesus and gave up all my stuff, I, I said, well, life is going to be fun. Well, you know what? Uh, coming to Jesus actually created a lot of havoc for me because, because all of a sudden I've got these friends whose, whose value system is so polar opposite. You know, I'm talking about of mine. It's like, what am I going to do with these friends? And I found myself in you know, in challenging conversations with them. And eventually, we just, had to, we just had to agree to disagree and agree that I love you, man, but you know what? I ain't hanging out with you if you're doing that. I mean, it's just, and it hurt. It was, a, it, was a, it was a challenge for me. And so I found out when I came to Jesus, it seems like sometimes my problems got worse in some areas of life instead of better, even though I was forgiven and cleansed of sin and that made it worth it, right? So sometimes again, Point number three, sometimes God allows us to go through the hard place. And you need to know that sometimes he allows it. Don't forget both Matthew 4, 1, Luke 4, 1. Uh, Jesus was, and this is the verbiage of scripture, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So you could say that, uh, rephrase it and say, Jesus was led by God into a hard place. So here's a, 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 a question. Could God lead you into a place that for you is hard? Well, the obvious answer, if he did it for Jesus, would he do it for you? The answer is yes. Have you ever been led through a, to a hard place? You may get a job and it's like, what in the world I take this? Why did I take this job, right? Or, or you know, you may be in a, in a circumstance of whatever shape, form, or fashion. It's like, what am I doing here? Well, God may have allowed that. And I read this a, a few weeks ago on July 12th, Deuteronomy 32, 11, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, speaking of his covenant people, Israel. And there was no foreign God with him. So what God was saying to the Israelites is the way an eagle deals with her young is the way a God deals with us. And you remember the story, if you were here, an eagle maybe a mile high on the crag of a rock on the side of a cliff somewhere on the high mountains, you know, cr creates a big nest with thorns and such in it and feathers it with down from his own body and, uh, and then lays the eggs, the eaglets hatch and they're enjoying life but mommy goes berserk and, and makes the, uh, takes all the feathers out so the eaglets jump off of the, off of the thorns onto the side and then she knocks them off and they catapult down to the ground and, and she keeps picking them up on her back and that's what that verse said. Mama went berserk. Mama made life hard. Mama unfeathered my nice, soft life and, and forced me to do what I would never do alone. And see, that's what God does for us. We just got to understand the process. Uh, half of winning the victory is understanding the process, right? So if you understand the process that my personal, spiritual, uh, and, and um, uh, uh, 
maturation, I could say, is, uh, is dependent on me allowing God to do things and allowing me to go places that for me might seem difficult. And uh, one place that seems difficult for you may not seem difficult to someone else. And it's kind of like it's, uh, it's created just for you. Tonight, the fourth point, I may get through two, we'll see tonight. Our response determines what the tough time produces in us, right? It's my mindset. Um, another, so again, our response determines what the tough time produces in us. And I've said this for many years. Another way of saying that, listen to this, what life finds in us determines what life does to us. Hmm? So it's my, it's my attitude, it's my demeanor, it's my mindset that determines how I face every challenge in life. Some people, I have met you too, see the cup half full. Other people see the cup half empty. How do you see the cup? How do you deal with life? Do you look at all the negatives and say, why is everybody always picking on me? Or do you say, you know what? Uh, it's going to get better from here. Do you, do you look for the positive? The positive, do you accentuate the positive, or do you look for the negative? So again, um, you can have the mindset that everybody's out to get me, or that God is good, and regardless of what comes my way, all things work together for good, because I'm walking with God, right? So, you know, when I came to the Lord, I had a very pessimistic mindset uh, just about life because of the way people had treated me when I was younger. I carried that up into my into my teenage years, got involved in the drug life and all that goes with that and stuff. But when I, when I came to the Lord, that pessimism, God began to deal with the pessimism I lived in. And uh, in, in fact, I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even saved a, a day or so. And, and the guy that led me to the Lord, um, um, I said something. I said, well, I can never do that. He said, don't you ever say that again. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like he, I thought he slapped my jaws. Pow. But what he was trying to do is trying to deal with that mindset I had of negativity. If you got a, whatever's in you will come out when you've got a problem, right? Are you a victor or are you a victim? We choose that, right? So our mindset, a lot of times our mindset has to do with how we're raised and what kind of family environment we found ourselves in. And you can be in a very negative family environment. You don't realize that you see life through colored glasses, and that is the glasses of your own experience and the and you can allow the, the mindset of your family. And now we have a lot of, be real, we got a lot of broken homes with big problems in America now um, because, um, because marriage is no longer valued the way it should be. And there's huge problems with our children and us. And a lot of our problems come from how we were raised. You've got to be willing to let the Word of God change how you think. And if you change what you think, how many know it eventually changes what you feel? Yes or no? Thinking, speaking will change feeling. So if I want to change what I am, I've got to, I've got to get in the Word and, you know, and, and change that mindset. So again, uh, you say, well, well, Pastor, I've always just had this negativity. You can change that. Just because your mama was that like that doesn't mean you've got to be that way. Just because your daddy was that way doesn't mean you have to be that way. Uh, what do you have to do? Well, you got to work hard to overcome that, that because that's your natural inclination. But how many know you can? And again, parents, you can instill an attitude in your children that regardless of what comes, you're going to be all right and you're going to make it. 
In fact, one thing I can tell you about my, and I've got to watch how far I go here, but one thing I realized uh, just in preparing today on this as I look back on even my life as a child was my dad, um, he was a really kind man, a very sweet man. You know, I, did, I preached his funeral in 2012, and so many people came to his funeral. And then people would call me, send me notes, and say, your dad was the kindest man. He was the sweetest man. And, and he really was. But to me and my brothers, in some ways, he, put, he made us do things we didn't want to do. And uh, during the summer break, we didn't have year-round school when I was young in the 60s. I know that dates me. Um, but uh, so we had, we had summer vacation and everybody was off. All the kids were off during the summer. And, and, you know, so the idea for kids, you just hang out with your friends and have a good time and play and stuff. And uh, you know what we did? We had a half an acre garden. And we had, my brother and I had 18 rows apiece to hoe a couple of times a week. Besides that, then pulling out crabgrass. If you know what crabgrass is, it ain't nice to plants. And uh, we had to take, and then we had to pick bugs off the green bean vines. Uh, yeah, we had lots of green beans, and the bugs would get on them and eat everything up. So we had to do that. And, and uh, we, then we had to pick the vegetables as they came out. And I could just go on and on and list all the things. And then, and then he had various and sundry other things for us to do before we could ever hang out with our friends or do anything different. Uh, and it wasn't fun. It was difficult. It was hot. It was tiring. You know, we built a garage when I was a little boy. And, and, uh, and he took, he, he raised, R-A-Z-E-D, raised a house. Uh, somebody raised a house and he bought all of the stuff from the house, which were boards and, and, and bricks. You've heard me say that. And I had to take a hammer and, and, and take all of the, all of the uh, stuff off of the bricks so they could be re reused. It's crazy. We had to straighten out all the nails, pull the nails out of boards. So that was hardship. But you know what I found out in that? Uh, he taught me in, in all those summers we did that. It taught me that um, sometimes life is not fun. Sometimes you do things you don't want to do. And sometimes it's really aggravating and you don't want to listen. You don't want to obey. You don't want to do this. But, but see, there was always an award that I was able to have hangout time with my friends, right? So, so see, when I got, became an adult, I learned that, well, yeah, life may be difficult for a while, but you know, there's payday coming. It's going to be okay one day. So if you haven't had those kind of, I, I think sometimes some people are raised in such a way that they don't want any hardship. They don't want any difficulty. And if you are raised that way, you tend to whine and complain. Is it true? So, you know, you got to decide you're not going to be a whiner and complainer. You're going to be a praiser. Is that right? So, you know, if, if we do it right, our heart stays fresh with God. If we do hardship wrong, it hardens us. A lot of people become hardened when the tough times come because they simply don't understand the process that they're in, in the middle of. Think about Joseph's life. And, of course, you can go back to the book of Genesis and read his life. It's a fascinating life. In fact, the Bible scholars say that Joseph, in many ways, was a type of Christ. You never, you never see one surrealist thing in Joseph's character that hindered him, with the exception of he told his dream to his brothers and his family, and maybe there was a hint of an element of pride there, and that got him into heap, trouble, heap of trouble. But uh, Joseph, every time bad things happened, he always rose to the occasion, and he gave life his best when his brother sold him into slavery and he found himself in Egypt. He always rose to the top. He found himself in Pharaoh's court because he just had this mindset to, to believe the best of every place he was in and expect God to help him in every way. And then, you know, when Potiphar's wife uh, 
asked him to have sex with her, and he refused and left his coat in her hand as she was trying to accost him. And he ran, and she lied about him. Then he was put in prison all those years. But, you know, he rose to the surface in the prison. Go read the story. It's just fascinating. And then after all those years and years and years of neglect of, um, of uh, being looked over and, you know, through no fault of his own, he's in prison. He rises and becomes the second person in charge of all of Egypt right under Pharaoh. See, see what an attitude. So check yourself right now. What kind of attitude do you have? when you're going through a hard place? Do you have an attitude that, you know what, this is tough right now, but you know God's good and I'm going to make this. I'm going to make the best of this. Do you allow it Allow it to develop your character, right? So the mindset determines that. Uh, uh, hard times are, are great opportunities to change. Uh, listen to James 1, 2, and 3. Very familiar. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And my favorite, 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 favorite in the world scripture from this, um, from this passage is James 1, uh, 2 through 4, 3. Actually, Phillips, J.B. Phillips translation. And I read this the first time, it just, it just threw me for a loop. I said, what am I going to do with this? When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, intruders, but welcome them as friends. When's the last time you went through a hard place and said, oh, enough friends come to visit me. <laughs> hey, my job is hard. I don't like my boss. The person stationed beside me in this other office, they're, they're, they're Looney Tunes. <laughs> Hot dog. <laughs> Welcome friends. No, you don't do that. You go, why, why is all, everybody always picking on me? What's wrong with me? No, 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 no. When hard times come, welcome them as friends. And then he tells you why I realize that the hard time comes to test your faith and to produce in you quality of endurance. And that's hanging, hang in their power. That word endurance, the Greek word is um, Hupomene, hupo means under, and meno is where the New Testament gets the word abide. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words, that's the word meno in, in the Greek, and you put hupo, hupomene together, and it means the ability to keep your chin up when things are bad and when things are not the way that you like them to be. That's that word endurance. You don't just grunt through it grumbling and griping and rawr, 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 rawr. No, no, it's like, you know, me and Jesus are in this thing together, and I'm going to get through the other side, right? So you keep your chin up. So it's to remain up when you're under pressure. And so he says, realize they come to test your faith, produce in you quality of endurance, but let the process go on until the endurance is fully developed and you will find you've become men or women of mature character with uh, men of integrity with no weak spots. And then I read uh, Sunday when I was talking about faith. I love this verse, Arthur S. Way's translation, Philippians 4.11. I've learned in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances. I've uh, I'm schooled to bear the depths of poverty. I'm schooled to bear abundance in life as a whole. In all its circumstances, I've mastered the secret of living. How to be the same amidst repletion and starvation, amidst abundance and privation. I'm equal to every lot through the help of him who gives me inward strength. You don't learn that unless you go into a hard place. And, you know, that's, that's what we need to realize. And, you know, I read all these things, and, and a lot of these things I studied out years and years ago in the 80s when I was in my early 20s, and I had very little experience in life. And, you know, life is sort of this way. The hard knocks of life teach you a lot of things, don't they? And 
You know, go through the decades of life and it's like you have no enduring power when you're young. You want it right now. You want it right now, you know. Uh, and then as you age, you know, you're, you're tempered with life and you, and you figure out that, you know, you generally get through the other side of hard places. And then when you get to the other side, you're just a better person. I can tell you that the five years that we spent building this building over here and refurbishing our campus... I had many times I was just ready to be done with this and go tell somebody what I thought real quick, and it wasn't nice, and I had to repent. And now on the other side of that, there's a patience that came in me. I, I don't know it was there that way. Um, it's just different. And so I don't want to go there again, but I, I wouldn't take it for anything. So God wants to teach us to be independent of our circumstances, our feelings, dependent on him. And in tough times, we, look, we learn to look past what's happening and focus on what God says. Let's listen to these scriptures real quickly. Job 23.10. Job, the whole book of Job, Job's life, when he ever, lost his family, lost everything, lost his marriage, his health, and everything. It was about a year, about a year or so. And then, you know, he got everything back double. But Job 23.10, Job said, but I know the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And uh, metallurgy, when you, when you separate the alloys from the gold by heat, all the alloy rises up to the surface and you scoop them off with an instrument and it leaves either pure gold or pure silver. Psalm 6610, for you, while God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. In Isaiah 4810, uh, behold, I refined you, but not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction tough right so you know just be aware of that process it has to happen and you know we generally won't deal with the, the negative elements of our character until the pressure's there a lot of times you don't realize the negatives are there until the pressure comes that's why when i'm doing pre-marriage now i'll get on to marriage here so that wonderful sweet little thing or that sweet hunk of a man that you just think you are so in love with He's so nice, he's so kind, he's so sweet. She's so wonderful, she's so pretty. She kisses so good. And she treats me so well. But the moment you get married and then spend a few months together. So here's what I tell couples before you get married. Number one, stay away from the sex thing. It muddies the water and you lose objectivity. Second, I don't have time to go there. Secondly, you know, give yourself, I say, go through the seasons of life together and figure out, I don't think, you know, if you're, you know, if, if it's right and the person you think may be right for you and you, and you get counsel and all that, I don't think you need to wait a long time to get married. Yes or no? Because, you know, uh, there's lots of reasons for that and you can read between the lines on that one. But at the same time, you need to go through it long enough to see the person's character. And I don't know how many times, and I've been in ministry since 1981, most of the counseling I've done is with marriage stuff. And most of the time, the people didn't realize the other side of the coin, of the person's character, until some real testy stuff came, and they saw the other side. Well, you know, you want to see that other side before you marry that person. Because you can always say, bye-bye, right? But once you do, it's much more difficult. Is that true? So again, that furnace of affliction, that hard place, it separates the alloy and it shows and it shows you who you are and what you need to work on. And often most of us don't see that 
until the test comes. John 15, 2, uh, Jesus said, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may produce more fruit. I got a lot of scripture here, and um, I'm just going to skip all the way down to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. I just gave it to you, New Living Translation. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing uh, his glory when it's revealed all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs, but it's, it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege, privilege of being called by his name. So again, God allows the hard place uh, to temper us and prepare us for the future so, so I want you to get the idea that the hard place you're in right now, uh, most of us are dealing with something in some vein of life. Uh, it's preparing you for what God has for your future. How many could agree with that? Uh, you know, 90, 1990 through 1993, I've talked about that era of my life. I was uh, 30 from age 32 to maybe 33, 4. Well, that was a hard, really hard time for me, very difficult um, I was disappointed in what I was planning to do for God, and it was difficult. I'd started a church. I'd had a traveling ministry at the time, and we, Susan and I had really small children, stair-stepped them, you know, two, two years apart except the last one, and she came. We missed that stair-step. How did we do that? <laughs> one full years uh, in between her and her, uh, her sibling. But nonetheless, really, really difficult time. I think back on that, and... Um, I would not be here and able to do um, what we've done here since 1994 had I not been through that really, really uh, rigorous, difficult, challenging, to the point I literally one time thought about, let's just end this life and go to heaven. It would just be easier. Um, thank God I did not do that, and the Lord really dealt with me about it. And um, um, and, and before, I, before I came here, I was tested in every possible way in my character. In fact, the year prior to coming here in 1993, I actually took a church over. I was associate pastor and became the pastor uh, for the church while the pastor went to Europe and started a church, him and his whole family. And uh, I took his whole church over. I, don't, I, I, looked, I thought about it a little bit today. Uh, that was a real challenging thing for me to do because... Uh, you know, the pastor entrusted his church to me. And uh, that means everything. That means making decisions. He's on the other side of the world. We talked every week a couple of times. But but I was responsible for keeping the church together, helping it grow and, you know, keeping it financially stable and hopefully growing while he was gone. It was very, very challenging. And I, I, I didn't realize then, but that was a, a big test. And I had so many tests that I had to take the year before I came here. I had the test of pride. I had the test of people telling me I'm better than the pastor. Um, I had the test of wanting to do things my own way, but I knew that's not the way he wanted to do it. Um, I had the test of being kind to people who were not kind to me. I had the test of uh, board members who would say things that I didn't like or appreciate, and I just kind of manned up, you know. And uh, so anyway, that whole year was a series of test after test after test, and you know, 
thank God I passed the test. And, and, and Susan and I, when we came, uh, we've often had, we had talked about this over the years um, because that was such a difficult time going to a small town, starting a church, giving it up, having a traveling ministry, and then doing all, and then to be an associate at another church. That several years they were very difficult. And we've often said, well, I wonder why we just didn't go from, from Tulsa to Raleigh. That'd have been better. But we made this big detour. And I want to read something to you. So you may be in a detour right now. And I, I've got to stop. I was going to go to another section, but I don't have time. But I just want you to hear this. So maybe right now you're in a detour. That is, you feel like God's got something really grand, but you're not there yet. You feel like you're stuck in this hard place. Now watch this. That's what I thought after I got through that. We came here. I look back on those years of such atrocious difficulty in so many ways. Um, I look back on that and say, and now I look back and say, I understand. Because of this scripture, listen, Exodus 13, 17, and 18. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let, let the people go. Let's talk about Israel coming out of Egypt. That God did not, watch, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. 18, so God led the people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. There was a quicker way to get to the promised land. They weren't ready for the promised land. In fact, if you go read, you know, um, uh, Numbers 13, 14, because of their unbelief, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They weren't ready to even inherit the promised land. And then as they come out of Egypt, there was a quicker way to do what they were doing. But they couldn't go anywhere near uh, uh, another, another uh, group of people would attack them because they weren't tempered enough to be soldiers. They weren't tempered enough to fight in a battle. Do you hear me? And that's an amazing scripture. So you know what? Sometimes you wonder why there's delay in your life. Why is there delay in me getting married, some young person may say. Why is there the delay in me getting this, this dream uh, job or position or business I've always wanted? Why, why is there delay in me enter into this ministry I just feel like God has for me? God wants to, first of all, temper you so you can handle it. And often and most of the time, to temper us, he's got to put us in a place that we'd rather not be. Do you think that Jesus really wanted to eat no food for 40 days? Do you think he wanted to be on the wilderness by himself with the animals? All by himself? It's, you know, nobody wants to be alone. You think Jesus wanted to do that in his flesh? No. Why did he do it? Because God had to prepare the human part of Jesus for the three and a half years of intense spiritual ministry that he went through. And so understand, hope this helps your perspective with life. You may be in a hard place right now, but you don't realize God is tempering you. God is training you. God is changing you. And he's given you an opportunity to deal with the tough areas of life that otherwise you wouldn't even look at. I can tell you the, uh, uh, those few years that I just mentioned, I, I, had, I, had such, I had such pride. I had such workaholic tendencies. And I'm still to some degree a perfectionist, but par none then, God had to deal with all that. And he put me in a place that to me was the worst place in the world. 
before I came here in the early 90s. And, and I would be, I remember driving, we have this blue van and I was driving the kids somewhere and Susan's working and I'm pastoring the church. And I was just thinking about how, how hard life is. And Isaiah and Isaiah 54 maybe says, I've, I've set my face like a flint. You know what he was saying? He's like, I've set my jaw. And I would be in my van, I think, God, you know what? This feels like eating nails. I'm just going to clench my teeth. I'm going to get through this. And I didn't realize at the time that God was tempering me because the pride would have left me, would have left me barren. And the workaholic stuff would have killed me. A lot of men don't do well when they're, uh, when the workaholics is the only get their good sense of who they are out of accomplishment. And that was me. And then that perfectionism, I'd have drove Susan berserk if I hadn't have dealt with the perfectionistic twinges in my life. Not that I'm over it completely now, just ask Susan. She'll tell you. But, you know, those, those, those times tempered. And, and whatever you're dealing with, wherever you are right now, God is preparing you for the next phase of life. How many are ready to be after it? Close your eyes with me. I'm done. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the spirit of God. Lord, I ask you that regardless of, uh, of any person in the room watching online, regardless of what we're dealing with in life, what phase of life we may be in, what we're dealing with that is difficult for us, that is challenging for us, Lord, I sense in my heart there are people whose jobs are just aggravating to them, they have a boss that to them is just so, such a tyrant, so wrong. Do it, they do it, sorry, and they're so upset about it. And then they have co-workers. Then, Lord, there are others that are dealing with family issues. Others are dealing with just hard, pressing circumstances. And, and many, of it, many of us, it's through no fault of our own we find ourselves where we are. I'm asking for the grace of God to invade every life tonight. Help us to see ourselves from your perspective. Help us to see what we can't see. And Lord, let, uh, help us to allow the spiritual metallurgy to occur where the dross of life, all the, all the inconsistencies of our character, Lord, as they rise to the top, Lord, help us to allow you to scoop them off and change how we think, change how we respond, change how we speak, change the shortness of our temper, Lord, minister life to us so you can minister life through us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.